Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome. And uh, hey, just a a couple quick things. First of all, those of you that uh, put up Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving, you're crazy. Um, Because I I don't know why. I love Thanksgiving, man. We eat on Thanksgiving. Come on, somebody. That's like like the greatest holiday in the world, you know. And this year, my kids talked to me and they said, hey, we want to do something other than uh, turkey. And we have a few people coming over, and so I had to ask. I said, are you all okay if we do something a little untraditional? And without, like, fail, everybody was like, yeah. So we're doing ribs, man, for Thanksgiving this year. <laughs> now who else is doing ribs, right? Come on. All right. So I'll tell you what. Why, why, do we, why is it Thanksgiving? And, like, have you ever, like, looked back and seen what it actually is? You know, it was actually like a lot of fish. They would do a lot of fish and, and venison. And how many, how many got some venison last week? And anybody in here? All right. Awesome. Awesome. My address is, uh, so I, I don't hunt. I love to hunt. I just, uh, I fish more in outdoors. So if anybody has any, I say this from the pulpit and online, if you have any venison that you want to give or share, we would love to receive and bless you by eating it for you. So just just put that out there. Especially if you add jalapenos, dry it, and make it into summer sausage. But anyway, we're, we're easy. So, um, Meg, you're crazy. You're decorating your house today? All right. I don't know if she's... Oh, yeah, there. We, we forgive you. All right. So, um, anybody else as crazy as that? Your, your Christmas decorations are up? I mean, it kind of feels that way outside. Even this morning, my son was asking me, he's like, hey, can we see if there's Christmas music on? Because he looked outside, and I'm like, the only chance of any radio station that there's going to be any kind of Christmas music at all, and I didn't think there would be, would be what? Cool one away. Right, we all know that. Guess what they're playing today already? I'm like, seriously? Hey, all right, so I want to do this. I want to dive into this message today, and it's kind of a heavier topic, all right? And so uh, I need you to just kind of stay loose with me, and you only have yourself to blame. Because you asked for it, all right? So uh, the messages that I'm doing throughout November are all things that you said, hey, Pastor Chris, we hate you. We want you to preach on this, all right? So uh, last week we looked at mental health. Now, I, I don't want to like promote my own message. I don't know everything about mental health, but I do want to say this. If it's something you've ever stressed with, stressed with. <laughs> if you've ever stressed with it, it's a new word. I love it. Wrestled or stressed with. Wow. Wow. Sound like a politician all of a sudden. All right. Wow. Will you write that down? I want to remember that word. Stressled. Stressled with it. I'm using that. All right. All right. But if you ever have known anyone that's dealt with mental health or you have, please give last week's message a listen to. I don't know about you, but at the end of last week, we had just a really cool like Holy Spirit moment in, in this place. And we, we don't always have those. Um, and I love those times when it's just legit and you actually see God moving in the hearts of people. And we just had some altar time, which we, we don't do a lot in our church. And so a lot of people after church just came up and said, hey, can you just pray with me? Or, you know, I'm struggling or I'm wrestling with, with depression or I'm wrestling with anxiety. And, and it's more than you know. It's over 25%, and it's probably a little higher since COVID, of people that are, are dealing with it. And, and I just want to say this. For those of you here that maybe it's not something you deal with, can we just agree as a church to continue to say we're not going to let that be a stigma in our church? We're going to open our arms wide to everybody. Amen? 
All right. And so um, that, that's a stigma, I think. And, and I think it just got destroyed yesterday. We kind of, or last week, we pummeled it. And I want to keep uh, doing that. And so if you wrestle with that, please listen to last week's uh, message. I think it'll be a hope and an encouragement to you. Uh, today, we're going a whole different direction, a different way. And this is a topic that I have never preached on in 21 years of ministry. I have never tried to wrestle this because this is a really, it's another stigma. It's a really difficult topic. And so if you will give me your grace today, say, yeah. All right. So, so test everything I say with scripture, uh, because there's a lot of people that have a lot of viewpoints on what I'm bringing today and next week, a little, uh, inside, uh, teaser for next week as well. Different subject next week that you guys want me to talk about. You're all crazy. Uh, but, uh, you are, you are trying to stump the pastor, which I appreciate. Uh, but these are things that are relevant topics. And how many know us as a church? We should be addressing the things that are relevant in our culture. So this is one of the largest things. Now, this is something that I have actually walked through indirectly. And so, uh, years ago, Dinker Up Church, a lot of you know that, but I was 16 years old, and it was, uh, how many remember your 16th birthday? Was it just glorious? Was it fun? Some of you are like, I don't remember my 16th birthday. We old then, all right? Um, I remember my 16th birthday, and we lived, we had just moved a year ago into the St. Francis School District, and we lived on a a house over, kind of right off of Cedar um, and County Road 74, 221st, this little road called Tamarack. There's all the pine trees back there that we lived at. And I was 16 years old, and I woke up that morning, about two or three in the morning, and I was listening to my parents argue. And and I'm like loudly, I mean like, you did this! No, you did! No, you did! And I was like, I was kind of scared even as a 16-year-old, and so I took, uh, I, I took my, like, you know, my blanket, and I kind of like just put it over my head like I closed my ears like I don't want to listen to this and, and next morning I woke up here it is my birthday and and I see the Anoka County Sheriff in our driveway and I'm like what is going on here and and I watched my dad get into the back of the car and leave happy birthday and I'm going what is going on and so I go into the kitchen and my mom's there and I said I said mom can you can you tell me what's going on? And, and, uh, at that time, my, my mom smoked and my dad didn't. And so they were arguing, they were bickering about it because one was saying, you smell, the other wasn't. They were, they were getting into this huge argument. And, and I overheard it. And, and to this day, now my mom passed a few years ago, but to this day, if you would have asked them about that story, to, to this day, the stories don't line up. And so my mom had accused my dad of something. And so he went off. And here I am on my 16th birthday going, what in the world? Well, the next day he came back, they made up, they figured things out, they, they, you know, reconciled their differences. So I thought, well, a few weeks after this, uh, all of a sudden my mom says, Hey, I just want you to know that we're moving out. And I'm like, what, what is going like moving out? Like we're all going somewhere. She's like, no, I am moving to an apartment complex and it on Poppy Street in St. Francis. And if you ever lived on the Poppy Street apartments, I've lived there. And so uh, she said, we're moving there and I'm taking you and your sister. I have one sister. And I'm going, what, what is going on? And she said, we no longer can reconcile our differences. We're getting a divorce. And as a 16 year old, I was kind of, I wasn't shocked. I wasn't surprised because I had seen the behind the scenes and you know, how many watch your, you know, somebody go to prison on, on your 16th birthday. It's just not a thing. And so this is all happening to me. And I remember going to the, the Poppy Street apartment and with my mom and going, 
okay, am I supposed to, should I stay with my mom? Should I be with my dad? Who am I supposed to be with? How do I do this right? And, and divorce, like granted, I didn't grow up in the church, but even in the world is like a uh, taboo, like we, you know, t- t- divorce. And all of a sudden I realized that there was this stigma attached to my mom and dad. In fact, my mom and dad at this time were part of a, uh, they helped plant a church years ago in Oak Grove. And at this church, uh, you know, they, they would go there. Well, my mom continued to go there. She was supportive. My dad thought, no, I'm, I'm not going to go. And so there was this time where I realized maybe us as a church, sometimes I want to make sure that we have making sure that we have an open environment where not only do we take the stigma away from mental health, but we take the stigma away from divorce. Now, I could ask you, and I'm not going to do this, but I guarantee you that every single person in this room, whether directly or indirectly, has been impacted by divorce, okay? Every single one of us has. Now, you maybe have not gone through it. Maybe you are. I don't know. But you had asked me, many of you asked me, most was mental health, this was the second highest, was you said, please help me with anything from Scripture about life after divorce. Now, I have to tell you, I'm not divorced. I am happily married, been married 21 years with, with this wife, okay? We've been married 21 years. We have had seven years of pure bliss, all right? So, maybe eight, maybe eight. So I want to, I want to preface this by saying I have not directly gone through what you're going through if you have ever gone through divorce, okay? Now, so this, you can take what I say, but I want you to test it against scripture because the Holy Spirit knows your heart, knows where you're at, but I want to make sure that us as a church culture takes that stigma of divorce and says, I don't care if you're divorced. I don't even care who you slept with the night before. I don't care what drugs you did with the night before. I don't care where you were the night before. You're welcome in this place every single Sunday morning. Amen? Thought there was going to be applause there for Jesus, but you know, all right. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to applaud him. All right. First is this. Divorce is not an unpardonable sin. I think sometimes we think it is. I think sometimes we look at divorce and there's this thing that goes with it. You know, even in our affiliation, Assemblies of God, if you were divorced for a long time, you could not be on this platform. You could, you could not. Now they've since changed that. They have looked at it more graciously and individually. But I want you to know today that God sees divorce as sin, but not unpardonable. Okay? We all sin. We all make mistakes. And, and divorce, we believe, is something for life. Now when that happens, when, you know, we read the Bible, God hates divorce, but when it happens, when it takes place, what do we do? What, what do we do? And, and how do we, how do we empathize with those that are walking through it for those of us that, that haven't? Okay, so let's, let's look to the Word of God here this morning. Let's look at Jesus' words. I love this. So if you have a Bible, open with me to John chapter 4. If not, we've got it on the screen for you. Verse 16, here's Jesus' words. He says to this woman, he says, Go, call your husband and call back, come back. Now before we read any more, did Jesus know her whole story? Yeah, he already did. Okay, so what is he doing? He's trying to get to the heart of the matter. She goes, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you, uh, you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Now, until last week when I was putting this together, I never caught this before in this verse. What did Jesus do? 
What was Jesus' action step for this woman? What, what was it? Was it, oh my gosh, you're a sinner. We got to condemn you. You can't go to church. You can't be in ministry. You can't be on staff. I just want you to know if you're divorced, you can be on staff. You can be in ministry. You can be with us. You can hang with us. You can do life with us. Amen? Okay? All right. Now, here, what was the invitation? Because later on you read it and, and he reveals himself to her that he is the Christ. Do you know how, other, how many other people he did that to in the scriptures? Not a ton. This lady who's divorced, been with five husbands, what does he invite her to do at the end? I don't know if you caught it. I didn't catch it at first, and I've read this many, many times. It wasn't until last week that I caught this. So believe me, is a time when you, he's talking to her, will do what? You worship. What's Jesus doing? Is he inviting her to lay down her life? Or is he saying, hey, come and worship me? The invitation is worship, not worry. The invitation isn't the condemnation. It's the fact that she can trust in a living Jesus who gave his life for her. Come on, somebody. That is good stuff this morning, all right? Okay. Now, I just want you to know, my daughter just got married. And, oh, we had a little conversation with the, with the boy. <laughs> i tell you what, man. We had Acapulco for a long lunch. And we were sitting down, and I just said, if you divorce my daughter, I will kill you. And that's all I said. <laughs> I was very blunt. I was very real and very in his face. Now, he knows I'm 90% not joking. But the 10% that, that I am, here's the deal. I pray that never happens. But if it does, would I treat my daughter any less? No, I love her. She's my daughter. I want to be there for her. Maybe it's happened to you. I don't know. I don't know every person's story in this room. But I just want you to know that it's not an unpardonable sin. Look at the invitation that you have if you're walking through it right now that God says, come, worship. Come and worship. Second is this. Divorced people often feel alone and disgraced by the church. All my studies last week said that most people who are going through divorce don't want to walk through these doors. And I'm not talking the bridge church. I'm talking the church as a general. Why is that? This, this, like, this like broke me last week. Because isn't that the time we should be walking with people the most? Come on, somebody. Are you awake this morning? Because divorce is like this. Again, I haven't gone through, and I hope I'm speaking to somebody, but divorce is like a death. In fact, I think it's worse than death because it's one of the cruelest deaths because after other deaths, tragedy, cancer, COVID death, where we're dealing with what, flower, you know, there's flower scent, there's hugs, there's cards, there's, there's phone calls, there's cooked food, there's, there's donated money, there's invites to come over for Thanksgiving and, and Easter, there's this outpouring of support. And when divorce happens, we don't do that because we don't know what to do. Well, I want to teach us church what to do and how to handle that and how to walk and be the church. Because I think what happens is somebody who's going through divorce, there's this initial pain becomes super intense that you and I don't see often because the ex-spouse, they still might be around. Or maybe there's disputes over, over child support or how are we going to visit? Where the, is, the, is the kid going to go to Poppy Street and live with his mom or live with his dad who lives on a lake? Where is he going to go? What's he going to do? Okay, kids schooling, work, all of that. And then all of a sudden, your kids later on get married or you move on and you get into remarriage. And now you got to figure out, well, whose Christmas do we go to? Whose holidays do we go to? And I can tell you, not even being divorced, it's already confusing where to go on holidays. Amen? All right? So just imagine adding that. And so often people look and think and they look at that couple that got divorced and, and all of a sudden we throw accusations and we throw, we throw things that we don't know or we look at them and go, well, I can't believe they got divorced. They had it all together. We've done that. Well, I can't believe they got, or, or on the flip side, well, I can't believe they stayed together that long. I was just waiting for it to happen. You know, we, we've been on both sides of that. But, but I think what we have to realize is 
ain't none of us know what happened behind closed doors. And none of us know what happens behind the closed door of a heart. Okay? We don't. We have no idea. And so we need to make sure we are the church that Jesus represented saying, come and worship with us. Put an arm around him and say, walk with me. And we're going to do lunch. We're going to hang out. We're going to do life. Because the moment we condemn, accuse, or any of that, we are no better than Satan himself. I know it's a tough word. You asked for it. Don't blame me. Y'all wanted this. There's life after divorce. Number three. Amen? Life's not over after divorce. It might seem like the biggest death, and maybe it's something you're going through. And I just, I watched my parents going through it for years. Now, my parents, it was a weird situation. It was the most strange thing I've ever seen in my life. My parents eventually got back together. And and I wish I could tell you, oh, it was so healthy, and they had everything fine after that. No. It was the weirdest thing I ever saw. Okay, it was, I, I walked through some strange stuff, man. I'll tell you, and if you want to hear more about it, I'm not going to share it from the stage or online, but you can ask me later and I'll share more if you want. But see, God intended marriage to be for a lifetime. This is not just, I'm, I'm dating you, I'm courting you, whatever verb or whatever you want to use. It's for a lifetime, but I want you to catch something here. He, God himself, also provided for life after divorce. He still provides. He doesn't stop providing just because of the big D word. The D word is not a four-letter word. And so there's a couple of things that we have to do when it comes to divorce. This is two huge things that I want to say, all right? And these are action steps for you. If you're walking through this or you know somebody is and you can encourage them in this, these are two huge things. First is this, you need healing. I don't have this on the screen for you, but healing is the first priority, okay? You need healing. You've got to find healing. This is, there's those times where you just go to church and just be like, I just need to receive for a while. Let the church pour into you. Let Jesus pour into you. Let people walk alongside with you that are encouraging. Be with those people. Hang out with those that are lifting you up. But you need healing. Psalm 147 verse 3. God, he heals the what? Heals the who? Brokenhearted. And he does what? He binds up their wounds. He sees you something you're walking through, I just want you to know he sees you. He sees those that have been through divorce. He knows about it and he loves you. He wants to be there with you. He sees the pain. He wants to bring healing. Now you have a, you have a part to play in that. Okay. You, this is not one of those things where we just pray to God and we're like, all right, God, I need some healing. And then we keep walking in the same way. No, it's just t- time for repentance. It's time for forgiveness. There's a lot that has to take place, but I want you to know that God sees your brokenheartedness and he binds up those wounds. See, there's hope, even what may feel like a hopeless situation. Maybe you're divorced. You go, I don't know how to find income. I don't know what we're going to provide. I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't even know what Thanksgiving looks like this year. And I'm scared out of my mind. You know, we're joking about Thanksgiving and Christmas and you're in pain right now because you're thinking of your family. And I just want you to know that we see you, we know you, we love you. We're here with you. Okay. And so healing, the first thing you have to do is what I'm asking. If this is a pain that you've been through, there's life after divorce, but there's one huge step I'm asking you to take. And you're going to hate it. I'm sorry, but I have to preach what the Bible says. Because you might want retribution. You might want X, Y, Z. But that's not biblical. The Bible says, starts with forgiveness. Oh, I know, right? I know. Now, now I'm not, forgiveness does not justify the other person's behavior. Amen? What does forgiveness do? 
It's not excusing behavior, but it's giving up your right to judge it. I'm no longer going to judge it. I'll, I'll let God do that. Without forgiveness, the healing will never happen. Cannot. It's a biblical principle. Unless you forgive, there's not healing because you're saying, you're literally telling God, no, I'm going to judge a situation. I, I got it. When God's going, I see it and I want it. Let him have it. Give him a chance. Second is this. Healing is the first priority. Any idea on what the second one is? Kids. Your kids are a second priority. Take care of your kids, man. When I was 16, my parents got divorced. I thought, what, could I have done something differently? Like, like what, what could I have done? And, and it had nothing to do with me. It really didn't. It was their own relationship. And I remember having to pick sides and, and fights and, and all those different things. And, and, and I remember going, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Because it was in that moment, it was a year after that, I gave my life to Christ. Thank God that he was in my life at that time. Now, I have just a little mini message I'm going to pop in here real quick because a few of you asked me to share this as well. And I don't have another Sunday to do a whole message on this. So I'm going to give you this. And this is both a parallel message. We're going to go deep for a moment. For those of you who have kids walking through divorce or know people, but on the other flip side of this, for those of you that are married and your spouse isn't a Christ follower and you are, what do you do? A lot of you ask me that. Thanks a lot, by the way, for all these tough questions, okay? Pastor Chris will know all the answers. Tell you what, man, these holes in my jeans are from praying, not because they're cool. All right. No. All right. Now, when a spouse isn't a Christian and you want to raise Christian kids or you're in a divorce situation, what do you do? I have, I have four things. I'll put them on the screen. You can take a picture of them all at the end here if you want. And these, you might, you might be looking for something a little different. And I'm sorry I don't have something different for you, but I believe this is what God wants you to hear today. First is this. Be respectful. If you are a husband or a wife of somebody who's not a Christ follower, and they say, you know what, honey? I want to go up to a resort for the weekend, you know? And, and you're going, no, 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 I, I, I got to be in church. I'm a Christian. I care more about your marriage than your attendance. Amen? Did you hear me? Care more about your relationship than your attendance. So you drop everything and say, absolutely, honey, let's go. Okay, text me, whatever, let me know. But you take care of your marriage first. Be respectful. Don't throw them under the bus. Number two, show honor. How many know kids are smarter than we give them credit for? When they ask, why doesn't dad go to church with us? You've got a great opportunity there. You've got a great opportunity where you say to one of your kids, you, you, don't, you can lash out right there and be like, well, it's because he doesn't like Jesus and doesn't, no, no, no. Change it into your Christian testimony. It's because we believe that we get to go today. Let's pray for dad, that God would just bless him. Not like, not those like prayer closets, you know, where none of us want to be in. Oh, dad, oh, this, though. No, let's just pray a blessing over dad today. Let's do that. Your Christian testimony will speak more to your kids than you realize. Number three, be faithful. You don't have to share his or her garbage with somebody else. How, how many have ever been in a prayer room where that happens? I just need prayer for this. And you never get to praying. But you feel better for a little bit, and then you leave going, I can't believe I just shared that with everybody. Don't have to share his or her garbage with the others or in front of your kids. Last is this, speak highly of your spouse or your ex. Speak highly of them. Speak, I know this is really difficult to hear. But in front of your kids, say something positive about your spouse. Lift them up. Show honor. 
well, they didn't do anything honorable. We've all fallen short, every single one of us. And so that's that walking in forgiveness thing. And as you walk and you demonstrate faith to your kids and how a Christian wife or husband should be when your wife or husband isn't a Christian, that is your testimony. You might not ever change them, but the prayers that their hearts would change someday, amen, that it would happen. If you're in a divorce situation, do the same. Honor them. Lift each other up. You don't have to get kids on your side when you're in the middle. I've been in that. It's not fun to do. So honor and start with the forgiveness. If you're with me, say yeah. All right. Hey, deep message, man. I was looking for like some humor and some comedy, and I'm like, oh my gosh, people, this is like serious. But I believe God wants maybe for you to find healing in this or, or know somebody that does, okay? We good? This side good too? All right, cool. All right, all right. Whether you're divorced, whether you're kids of divorced parents, or whether you've got it all going on, like you're just like, man, it's great. I've never dealt with that. I'm, I'm good. I want to challenge you with this, okay? And I, I'm going to list all these up on the screen here in just a, just a minute. But I want you to allow God to meet your needs without expectation that someone else will. I want you to let that sink in for a moment. How would that change your relationship with your spouse? How would that change your relationship with your ex-spouse? How would that change your relationship with your lawyer? How would that change the relationship all around? How would that change the relationship if you're a kid towards one of your divorced parents? You know, about two years ago, I sat out on the picnic table. We, we couldn't be open as a church at the time. And there was a couple that said, hey, Pastor Chris, we want to meet with you. And then I met with them. And, um, and it was one of the most heartbreaking conversations I've ever had with a couple. And uh, they don't attend here. And the couple said, um, we're going to get a divorce. And I said, why? What's going on? And uh, one of the uh, spouses said, well, I um, committed adultery. I've, I've been sleeping with this other person. And uh, one of the spouses just started breaking right in front of me. And, and I thought, what is going on? And, and, and the other person, I said, can you tell me why you're doing this? And, and I said, are you at a place where you want to repent and ask God to forgive you for stepping outside your marriage? This was hard as a pastor because what I was told was no. I was, I was like, I don't know what to do with that. That's not my theological training. Like, Holy Spirit is supposed to get a hold of your heart. You're supposed to repent. Like, what you're doing is wrong. And you know it. And, and she said to me, she goes, he's not meeting my needs. And so it challenged me to go, well, what's the purpose of my relationship with Heather? What's, my, what's our purpose? What does this look like? What's our vision for our family or our marriage? What, what does this look like? You know, now that couple has since divorced and then they've, they've moved on and it breaks my heart and we've prayed and we still reach out as much as we can. But I had this realization that we're not called to meet all of each other's needs all the time. Because if that's your recipe for a relationship, I guess what? Eventually you're going to let each other down. It's going to happen. So what's the purpose? The only thing that I can think of and come to, and you're welcome to challenge me on this, but I can't think of anything else. The only reason for our relationship, and there's different relationships, marriage, friends, kids, family, dads, all of, all of that, work relationships, the purpose is to glorify God. That's it. That's it. Well, that's so simple. Amen, right? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I like to keep it simple. 
So let me give you just a few things, and then I want to end in a song of worship here this morning. First is this, and, and again, if you want to take a picture, this will be all on the screen. God will always love you. I know it's real simple, but God's love is unconditional, and here's why. It's based on his nature rather than your performance. Well, I got it wrong. I, I went through this. I walked through this. I, I've walked through adultery. I've walked through divorce. I've walked through unforgiveness. God still loves you. He hasn't given up on you, even if you've given up on him. Hasn't. He never will. Second, God will always listen to you. Even you. Yeah, you. Yeah, you. The one that thinks he won't. Yeah. You see, when we pray, you know what, you know what happens when we pray? He gives us his full attention. Now, there's different ways to pray, pray and talk about that, but it doesn't have to be all fancy and figured out. You know, God, help. Lord, I'm going through this. I don't know what to do. He'll always provide for you. See, the Father, God assumes responsibility for meeting your needs. He says he will meet them all in Philippians chapter 4. And he says he'll do it through Christ and his riches and glory. So he's not just giving you table scraps. He wants to take care of you. Next, God will always guide you. He's the one who will direct your path when we trust in him. You know, a verse in Proverbs I think about. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on what? Your understanding, but in all ways, acknowledge him. And then what is, there's a promise. He'll make your path straight. He will guide you through the pain. He will guide you through that. He will always protect you. He will always be there for you, protecting. See, the Lord shields us spiritually, emotionally, physically, sifting every experience through his sovereign fingers. Every single one. He wants to protect you in every way. God will always stay with you. He ain't going nowhere, bro. He ain't going nowhere, sis. You can keep trying to run away, but do you realize no matter how far you run away from God, he's always just one step away. Isn't that cool? No matter how far you run from him, he's always just one step away. Even in divorce, he sees that. He'll stay with you. He'll take care of you. See, the Lord disciplines us. Anybody here love discipline? Just Derek? All right. He's used to it. He's young still. No. Why do we want his discipline? Because I want to be like Jesus. I'm not Jesus. None of us are. We're going to fall short, but I want to live life like him as much as I can. Yeah, I'm still going to strive to do best, but know that whether in my striving or my failing, he still loves me. He still is going to guide me. He's still going to protect me. He's still with me. He ain't going nowhere. And last, this, I want you to know that divorce is not going to change behavior, but Christ will. You know, sometimes I think, well, if I go through divorce, then this is going to change. And, and, and I've been witness to this where I see somebody who's a divorcee. They go and they get remarried again. And they're so excited. And all of a sudden, they're dealing with the exact same thing because they were expecting their spouse to be the need rather than Christ. And here's my implorement to you today. My challenge to you on both sides. One is this. If divorce is something you're wrestling with, struggle with, have walked through, have gone through, are in it, have been in it, know somebody who is. I want you to realize that Jesus sees you, he loves you, he's wrapping your, his arms around you, and that he wants you to have life and life to the fullest. There's no difference than the other people who say, well, they still got it all together. None of us got it all together. And so I want to remove that stigma. So that second is this, and I'm asking for applause, not for me, but for Jesus. And as your call today, church, can we be a church that wraps our arms around welcomes people, prays for people, loves on people, whether they're divorced or not this morning. Can we do that, church? Can we be that church? Come on, somebody. 
what I want to do. Would you just stand to your feet with me? Let's worship him for a moment. I'll close this out in just a, just a moment. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.